Good morning, Peninsula Hope Church. Uh, we hope you guys are doing well and continuing to stay safe and healthy as uh, we are sheltering in place um, again for another week. And I know I've been saying this for almost three months now, so I hope you guys are doing well. I want to start off today by um, saying Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there. And, you know, our thing that uh, you guys will always hear whenever we celebrate a holiday is to acknowledge those out there that this may be a really challenging time for them. And so if you have lost a father recently, um, if maybe you don't have much of a relationship with your dad, if you don't know who your dad is, um, if, if any of these situations really hit home for you, we understand that holidays like this can be challenging. So we want you to know that we are praying for you and we understand. Um, let me open us up in some prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for our fathers, Lord. We thank you for you being our Heavenly Father, Lord. And I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to me and through me, Lord Jesus, as we continue to look, Lord, at your word, Lord, and how it can impact our lives and our country and our world, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So we're continuing our series on the ask and the answer. And again, this is... Um, what Solomon was, it's his dedication of the temple in Jerusalem, and also it's his intercessory prayer on behalf of Israel. And for that, um, it'll be a three-week series. We'll end it next week, and that will be God's answer. But we've been taking a look at the process that he took in dedicating and in his intercessory prayer. That's what we did last week, and we took a look at um, how he went about this and the why he did what he did. And today we're looking at the specific asks. And I believe that if we take a look at what transpired here, and if we're able to learn from what Solomon and the nation of Israel do, uh, did and continues to do, that it could help us start the process of seeing some healing in our nation and our world. And so this week, again, we're going to be focused on the ask, and I want to start off by talking about the pattern of his seven asks. And I know as Emily was, was talking to me about this sermon, it may get a little long, so I may not go through all of the seven for time's sake, but I'll try to get through as many as I can because they're important and there's a lot of keys in each of them. But regarding the pattern, what you see is, first, it's an explanation of the circumstance of the need. It's what the people are going through. And as I mentioned in my previous sermon, often this had something to do with the nation's sin, the people's sin, their disobedience to God. Then we see the people's response. Maybe sometimes it's prayer. It's um, turning towards the temple. It's asking for forgiveness. It's these different things that the people are doing. And then there is a specific request of God asking him to hear these prayers and these pleads to see his people. And then the final part of the pattern is restoration and forgiveness. And this is important because what it does, it shows that the people had a role in this. And that there is a need to turn to God. 
It also shows God's will and his desire, which is so important. We talked about that last week with intercessory prayer. It's praying God's will. It's what he desires, not what we desire. And then ultimately, it also shows a return to God. So now let's transition and let's talk about these acts. And again, we're going to be camping out here for a little while and there's a lot of detail. So bear with me as we go through this. And the first one is the one I talked about in the bonus um, sermon point last week. And it's when anyone wrongs their neighbor. Second Chronicles 6, 22 through 23 says, when anyone wrongs their neighbor and is required to take an oath and they come and swear the oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, condemning the guilty and bringing down on their heads what they have done and vindicating the, in, uh, the innocent by treating them in accordance with their innocence. Now, if you're wondering what an oath is, that was just not a normal thing that was prescribed by the law, but it took place when either witnesses were not available or if it just wasn't possible to judge a certain situation very well. So people then had to take an oath in front of the temple. Basically, this was humans saying, God, we can't decide. We need you to decide who's right and wrong in this situation. And it's giving God the power to do so. And then as you heard, it's very specific, the response that God can give. It's condemning the guilty and bringing upon them the consequence that befits their actions. And then vindicating the innocent. And that shows God's will and his part in this, that it's not just doing this for our sake. And unfortunately, this world that we live in now, we often want to decide who's right and wrong based on what we think, not on what God thinks. And unfortunately, we see people that twist scripture and how to interpret it, and they want it to fit what they want it to mean. 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Again, people twisting scripture and the interpretation of it. Now, the next ask is when people are defeated. Second Chronicles 6. 24 through 25 says, when your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave them and their ancestors. What we see here is because of people's disobedience. Sometimes God allows things to happen. And these things can be powerful. They can be uncomfortable, like the defeat of an enemy. But it's important to remember that this does not mean that God doesn't love us, that he didn't love his people, his nation, Israel, or that he is unfair. 
because love and care doesn't mean that there, that there are not natural consequences to our actions. And I think that's an important thing to get ingrained into our head, that consequences and actions, they go together. And then we see Solomon plead, he's asking, you know, if the people turn back to you, if they praise your name, if they're praying and making supplications, hear from heaven. But he doesn't say solve all their problems. He says, bring them back to the land of their ancestors. What he's saying is that don't let them be in exile. Don't let them go through further pain and struggle. Again, it's not to solve every single problem that they have. The third ask talks about a drought. Second Chronicles 6, 26 through 27 says, When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you. And when they pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, they're here from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people, Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. Adequate rainfall was a sign of God's blessings and poor rainfall was a sign of divine anger. Leviticus 26 Verse 3 says, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. That was verses 26, um, 3 through 4, excuse me. And again, that pattern of people praying towards the temple, praising God's name, and then God answers. But I love what Solomon adds to this. It's kind of a, a why, and we'll see this in the next couple asks. It is so people can be taught the right way to live. So going through that stress and struggle and pain, the point of all that is to learn about God and the right way to live. That is what Solomon is asking. The next ask is about disaster and disease. Second Chronicles 6, 28 through 31 says, when famine or plague comes to the land or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, or when enemies besiege them in any of their cities, whatever disaster or disease may come, and when a prayer or plead is made by anyone among your people, being aware of their afflictions and pains and spreading out their hands towards this temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Forgive and deal with everyone according to all they do, since you know their hearts. For you alone know the human heart, so that they will fear you and walk in obedience to you all the time they live in the land you gave our ancestors. What you see there is that plea, and last week we talked about that plea, is that, that crying out to God in desperation. So in this case, we have a situation, a circumstance happening, and now when the people plead, when they are reaching out because they are desperate, 
then God hear them, forgive their sin. This is what Solomon is asking on behalf of Israel. And here's the why. Deal with everyone according to what they do. Because God knows their hearts. And why? So they will fear you and walk in obedience. Now it's important to understand that fear, that fear is a reverential fear. It's not the fear of the boogeyman. It is reverencing God for who he is. And again, walking in obedience. So we've heard, so people will be taught the right way to walk. Now it's that they will walk in obedience. This next ask is amazing because it doesn't have anything to do with Israel. It's about foreigners coming to Israel. So 2 Chronicles 6, 32 through 33 says, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place to whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. That's so powerful. Because when you look at the traits of these foreigners, they have traveled from a distant land. Why? Because of God's mighty name. So they've heard something, probably some miracles, some powerful things, stories about what God has done. And now they're coming to the temple and they are praying towards it. And then Solomon says, do whatever they ask. But we have to keep in mind that if these foreigners are coming Israel, if they're coming and now praying towards the temple and they're praying to God, that means that they are seeking his will. Or there would be no reason for them to come to the temple of God. So even though they're not, they don't know him as their Lord and Savior, they don't know him as God, the creator of the universe, there's something about him that intrigues them. And now they're seeking his help. So what he is responding to, the whatever they are asking, it's actually his will because they're seeking him. And why? So all the people of the earth may know his name. And so they will fear him. And again, it's that reverential fear. It's so everyone from every nation will know God and reverence his name. So if you've ever wondered, if you've ever asked yourself or others, do you think God answers prayers of non-Christians? The answer is yes, he does. In fact, many people come to Christ because of that. As we move on with another ask, now we're looking at wars. Second Chronicles 6, 34 through 35 says, when your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you towards a city 
you've chosen in the temple I have built for your name. Then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. A key here is remembering it says, wars God sends them to. So again, this is meaning God's will, not the will of the people. It's not going into any war. It is wars that God is directing them to. And again, we see people praying and then Solomon's asking here their prayers and their pleas. And why? Upholding their cause. But here's the important things about uphold, upholding the cause of the people. Because not if, if someone is successful, if they have victory, it doesn't mean that that is a godly cause. Because free will, sin, and Satan still exist. But these are the causes ultimately that are God's causes because they are the wars that God is directing Israel to. And I think that's a really important thing to remember as we look at this passage. And so for us, the key is seeking God in all of our decisions and praying that if it is his will, then he will uphold our cause. But it has to be his will and his desire, not ours. And the final, the seventh ask is this, it's when your people sin. And hopefully you're seeing this pattern that Solomon's covering pretty much everything. And if you're, again, looking online, if you're hearing what's going on on the news, everything I've talked about today is everything that's going on in the world today. So 2 Chronicles 6, 36-39 says, When they sin against you, or there is no one who does not sin, and when you become angry with them and give them over to the enemy, who takes them captive to a land far away or near. And if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their captivity where they were taken and pray toward the land you have that you gave their ancestors, towards the city you have chosen and toward the temple I have built for your name. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their pleas and uphold their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, this is by far the most intense of all the asks because it expresses God's anger from sinful behavior, which resulted and people being exiled from the promised land. And it also necessitated the greatest response from the people. Let me go through these again. It's a changed heart. And we learned earlier that it's only God that knows people's hearts. So God will know if they're being honest or not. Repentance, pleading again, getting on your knees, reaching out for God for help. It's acknowledging of sin. It's not just 
that it happened and asking for forgiveness. It's saying, I sinned, God. And it's acknowledging of wrongdoing and wickedness. So it goes a step further and saying, I sinned, God. I was disobedient because I did A, B, and C. And then it's a turning back to God, again, with all their hearts and their soul. And then praying. Then again, we see Solomon saying, hear their pleas and their prayers. And uphold their cause. Which again, is God's will. It's ultimately his cause if they are going through this process of turning back to them, to him. And then he's asked to forgive them. So hopefully this is all making a lot of sense. I realize this is a ton of information, but the bottom line takeaway for you is to understand that there is consequences for sins. And that we need to turn to God. We have to change our hearts. We have to repent and ask for forgiveness. And then things happen. But those things that happen, those things that God does for us, it's not always him taking care of the situation. Ultimately, what we see here, it's a returning to the relationship with God. And when that happens... We could experience the rains. We could experience other positive changes. But the main focus is a returning back to God. It's having that relationship restored. And that's what manifests a lot of these changes. Now, as we consider these these seven assets I've talked about today, it is important to say, does this really apply to us today? So the question comes up of, does God judge nations today? Or more specifically, does God pay attention to people's actions? The Greek word for, uh, for judgment is krino, and it means to decide, to distinguish, coming to a choice by making a judgment, a positive or a negative one. So it's deciding right and wrong. What does the Bible say about this? Psalm 22, verse 28 says, For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. So God is sovereign. He is in control of everything, which includes every nation in the world. Acts 17, verses 30 through 31 says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So we have seen that God has already selected a day that he will judge the world. But this passage, it's referencing more end time judgment. But it does show that God will judge everyone. But does God consider our daily actions? Or is the final judgment all we need to worry about? I think this is more the question that all of us think about. Proverbs 5, 22 through 23 says, 21 through 23, for your ways are in full view of the Lord. 
and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and, he, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. One last verse, Proverbs 15, 9-11. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. Stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. The one who hates correction will die. Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more to human hearts. So this is saying, if you sin and you repent, you may still experience God's discipline. But if you're unteachable and unwilling to change your disobedience to God, that leaves to death and destruction. So hopefully you're seeing that God is watching in any given situation and at any given moment God has decided he has judged what are right and wrong actions in his eyes not the eyes of man or the laws of the land and I think that's really or I'm not think I know that is really important to get he has judged what's right in his eyes. So this week, I want to put this challenge out to all of you. That when you see and you hear about all the pain and suffering going on in our nation and the world, and you find yourself saying, what can I do? What can we do as a people? Start by looking at your own life. Are you doing your best to be obedient to God? Or are you living for yourself, only being obedient to what you want? If we start with ourselves and we make those changes, and we put our focus on the relationship with God and being obedient to Him, we will see changes start to take place because they will have started with each and every one of us. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your word would sink into our hearts, Lord, that we would desire to return to you, that we would repent of our sins, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would show each of us the areas where we need to make changes. Lord, help us to change ourselves so we can go out and be part of the process of healing our nation and our world. Use this Holy Spirit the way you would desire us to be used. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Hey, everyone, we love you guys. We're praying for you, and uh, we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.